0: Okay, we're gonna
1: start. Okay, hi. Um, Let's open the meeting with the Serenity Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Welcome. Um, The topic of this workshop is anorexia and bulimia. Uh, My name is Delyn, and I am one of the leaders for this meeting, and my other leader is Robin. (laughs) This session is being taped and will not be edited. Please note that this session might be available online or on a podcast feed, so anyone who wishes to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. Um, We need a volunteer to be a timekeeper. Is there anybody here who would be willing to, you're just going to be timing the two of us mostly, and also um, the three-minute shares. Okay, great. Um, Thank you. So we're each going to speak for 20 minutes. Um, If you could maybe let us know after 10 and 5 and then when there's one before we're done. That would be great. Thank you. Um, Great, so I'm just going to jump right in. My name is Deline. I'm a compulsive overeater and restrictor. Um, I've been in OA. I live in Vermont currently, um, although I've been in New York City and Oakland, California, if you're listening from afar. Um, And I have been in OA for... (laughs) We're going to listen to the other speaker (laughs) while you're listening to me. (laughs) I hope you can hear me. for those of you listening, we're, we don't have a mic today. So um, so I have been in OA since 2003. Um, I started counting abstinence, which is when I started putting down the restriction, which was in February 1st of 2004. Um, so I technically have 14 and a half years or so of um, abstinence. And I've been in program for a little over 15 years. Um, And I'm just going to, this is an interesting time to be speaking about this topic because it's a topic that is very near and dear to my heart and very central to my journey in a way. And it's actually a topic that I've spoken less and less about over the years as I've migrated away from cities where there were lots of people who were also anorexic or restricting or and speaking about that regularly at meetings. So um, I don't currently speak about it super often at meetings because I'm the only one at my meeting who who's speaking about this topic and there's a lot of, yeah, nodding in the room. So this um, hopefully will be a good experience for a lot of us. Um, anyway, so, um, so just to kind of qualify, I grew up in a home of compulsive eating of all varieties. I was, um, blessed with almost all manifestations in my, like, you know, sphere. Um, my mom is a really, from my estimation, like classic, um, compulsive overeater. So, um, that was really at the forefront of my mind since I spent more time with my mom, um, than I did with my dad, um, being a stay-at-home mom. Um, and, so I have all of those isms, and I really focused on that a lot. In fact, that's a huge part of my story is focusing on that so much that I didn't realize I was restricting to try to compensate for that. Um, and my dad is somebody who is probably more like me, who's both struggles with overeating at times, and he, um, he for good reason, um, spends a lot of time focused on his mood and on his health. And he majorly tries to manage both of those things through food. So I had a very good role model growing up of what it would look like to try to cut out different things in your diet or try to eat on a certain kind of schedule or try to follow a certain kind of um, regime um, with the express purpose of feeling normal and or feeling better and or just coping. Um, so so you know, like. I've pretty much always been a normal weight, more or less, Um, but I was really um, trained well by my mom to think that um, eliminating foods was the answer to life's problems, since that was her issue was overeating, Um, that dieting was like a good thing to be focused on. And, um, although she wouldn't say this explicitly, but these are like the implicit messages that I got and, and I was a a sugar addict. And so I was, I fell out of control and I also fell out of control for a variety of very legitimate reasons related to, you know, sexual trauma related to family dynamics that just never felt quite right. And part of, because of my dad's struggles and because of my parents not knowing how to cope with that in their relationship. Um, and so I put a lot of focus on perfectionism as the means of trying to get to where I wanted to be. Like I couldn't, I didn't know what to do except just do it better. Just do it like work harder, work better, um, things like that. So, so just to kind of fast forward, um, you know, when I was in my, I don't even know if I want to share this, but I basically, I started restricting my food. I had this um, spiritual diet that I wanted to follow, which involved not eating certain food groups because it was more ethical and more spiritual and more just like (laughs) kind of commendable. And so I started cutting out foods like pretty young um, and and didn't know how to add them back in. Um, And there was also like some kind of financial stuff around like worries around eating food, like, you know, just grocery budgets. Um, And so as a child, you know, like I hope my mom never hears this, but um, as a child, like I literally didn't get enough protein. And it wasn't like we were like poor, but it was just like my mom's like desire to um, re- to like manage her portion sizes. And also like it was expensive to buy certain kinds of, you know, protein sources. And so we just didn't buy them. And my dad was vegetarian and so he wasn't eating it. And anyway, so like w- what this looked like is that, Um, I've been doing a lot of kind of uh, retrospective analysis um, because of what some stuff that I'll share with you in a little bit about some recent like gains in my recovery from under eating and restriction. And so I remember really clearly in high school, we would like go on a hike on Sunday afternoons after um, like you know, spiritual services and I would be exhausted by like, like so exhausted. I could barely like, I was like, I can't complete this hike. And of course I did it. I I completed it. And I'm now I'm looking back. I'm like, I don't think I was eating enough protein. Like, like very definitely not eating enough protein because I was restricting protein sources because of my spiritual views of ethics and stuff like that. And I wasn't mixing them and matching them appropriately to make up for it. And so I was tired. And, and I was also overworking and I was trying, you know, I was going to, I went to this amazing school that I had kind of for, like forced, like talked my way into. And so I was like overworking in just every area. Like if I just do more, I'll be better. I'll be happier. I'll get what I want. Like I'll like that this imbalance that I feel at home, this imbalance that I feel in my life will fi- will be balanced if I just do more. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of the the basis of what i've been looking at recently um you know just like fast forward um college um like i said like kind of having both addictions um it took me a full year before i could go a single meal at the dining hall without eating a dessert i was so like like white knuckling it around like those kinds of foods um and i also probably again continually not to eat enough and so um, What eventually happened is um, I ended up in New York City. Um, It is really hard to eat three meals a day in New York City. In fact, I just went back and spent some time with my best friend there. And I was staying with her for 24 hours, and we were spending the whole day together. And she said, you eat three times a day? This is somebody that I would say does not have food issues. And I was like, yes, I do. Oh, my God. I don't eat three times a day. And it's just like kind of a thing that like, we're too busy. We've got a busy life. Like, how could you possibly make time for three meals a day? So, so, and this is important to my story because I was living in New York City for 10 years. I was in New York when I started OA and I was like not, you know, I was eating about one and a half to two meals at my lowest point right before I got into what eventually became getting, coming into OA. Um, so, so my, so, you know, like, I think a lot of people around me thought that I had food issues. I didn't think I had food issues. I thought I just had, I don't know what I thought I had. Like, I thought I, I thought I knew something wasn't right. And I knew that using food was like a way to try to fix those problems. Um, and so my story tends to be more, and this is similar to how I was raised, my story tends to be more about um, looking for spiritual solutions that include food plans. And then, like, running with it. So, um, a good example is that, like, totally normal late in high school, I read a book about um, I'm really into like energy healing and like kind of new agey stuff. So, I read this new agey book, and it was like, Bathe in a red light for 30 minutes every day and don't eat anything green for a week, and your metabolism will get better. And I swear to God, I did it in the freezing cold in New England at five o'clock in the morning before going to high school for like two weeks, I bathed in red lights and ate like drank water out of red glasses and didn't drink, is it working? Didn't drink anything, um, didn't eat anything green. And when I did eat something green, which was like, like parsley in my pasta, I thought I had failed the diet. So you're just kind of thinking, you're getting a sense of like where I was coming from. Um, when I got into OA, I got in because of a support professional who 12-stepped me into a different program and eventually found my way into OA. And my first step experience was actually like before getting into program. It was when I was told I needed to eat more food and I realized I couldn't. And I'm really grateful that that happened because I didn't know I had a problem with restriction. I knew I had a problem with, with compulsive eating in other ways, which I haven't talked about too much. Um, and But I was so hopeless about that because in my family, that was just like, that'll never change. Um, that if I hadn't had the under eating, I probably wouldn't be standing here today because I would have never actually believed that something could be different. So, um, so where do I want to go with this? So I guess what I want to say is, you know, like the early phases of that recovery were really, really painful and really emotional. And it involved you know, I'm so grateful that OA is a spiritual program because, um, if it weren't a spiritual program, I wouldn't have had the willingness to, it's like that, for me, it's like the extra like 20% is what is the difference between me being in my disease and me being in recovery. And the the spiritual part of OA gave me that capacity to be willing to push through that extra 20%. Um, and what I mean by that is that you know, it's kind of like half measures of ALS and nothing. Like, I was willing to do certain things, but it was that like extra, maybe even 5% of like being willing to like fully commit, fully surrender to doing something different. And I, it would just bring up all of those feelings. Like, I mean, literally, I was having like panic attacks. I was having like memories of trauma. I got, you know, I had to go do a whole separate trauma recovery that if I weren't in that, I wouldn't be in this. Like, I had to do them all kind of simultaneously. Um, and my life looked really, really, really terrible for quite a while because it was so like the, the kind of shock of coming to and the shock of actually dealing with and feeling stuff was so immense that, um, things just kind of like crumbled around me. And, um, but like in a good way, because I was feeling for the first time and I was letting go and I was being willing to go to any lengths to like eat that extra piece of protein, even if it meant that I had to have like a temper tantrum, you know, for like 20 minutes, just to get the feelings out that were preventing me from picking up the fork again and finishing the rest of my meal or like, um, you know, like make a nut, make Am I willing to make another phone call today because I know if I don't, I'm going to go home and isolate and like curl up and not eat all of my food or not go grocery shopping or like not go to the meeting I need to go to. So it was really like quite shockingly um, painful, (laughs) but at the same time, you know, it was... It was immensely liberating, and um, people who saw me a year—I, I, you know—I lived in New York City. I went to meetings, and I changed my meeting schedule. People who hadn't seen me in a year; like they were they were introducing themselves to me again. <laughs> and I didn't actually like gain or lose any weight in that time because I was actually somehow had not lost, was eating very little, but hadn't lost a ton of weight despite that. Um, in fact, I'd I gained a little bit of weight, but like people didn't recognize me because my energy was so different from going through that process. Um, so I guess what I want to say, um, is that, you know, recently, so like I said, I've been in program for 15 years. Um, the first, whatever, four or five of that was in a big area with a lot of other restrictors. And then I moved to a slightly smaller but still very, very large metropolitan area on the other side of the country and, um, and did a lot of like recovery there around like my sugar addiction. It was kind of like my under eating happened on the East Coast. My sugar addiction kind of got addressed on the West Coast. And now I'm back on the East Coast in a new environment and um, very, very, very few meetings, like not even one a day. Um, and i was used to like seven a day so um and you would think that you're like i guess this is kind of my message of the day um the message is no matter where you are like you get exactly what you need and thank you and even if that is that where you are made you desperate enough that you were willing to move to get what you need you know like you always have the next step available to you to get what you need So, um, and the example of that is like, I thought that moving to this tiny town, I was not gonna get a lot of recovery. And um, luckily I had a lot of time on my hands in the beginning. So I did like just having that time alone gave me that boost. But what's happened is that, You know, I got, I was able to get still enough that I was able to admit to myself, because I wasn't overworking as much as I had been in these big cities, that things were still not right. And so um, I, I, I was talking to my sponsor and I said, I know I need to go see a medical professional. It's the only way that it's ever worked for me is if I have somebody on the outside giving me what I think of as objective feedback, because... I I can't quite say, well, that's just my mom telling me that. (laughs) Um, so, so I went to see a medical professional and they, um, had this new way of working that was able to give me really objective measurements on whether or not I was eating enough food. It's just, you know, I'm happy to talk to you after if you're curious. Um, and so what I found out is that although like on paper, I was the right, I was within normal range. Like all these other measurements, such as like how much um, muscle mass I had in my body, um, the, the the like health of my cell membranes, things like that, were all sh- showing up. Like no, you are, you were on un- you are malnourished, you are under eating. You're not. And then sh- and then they were able to really objectively show me like how many calories I was eating, and that that was actually like metabolically, my metabolic rate was higher than that. Like through this. And so I've been on this interesting journey, um, where I realized that despite all of this recovery, um, I couldn't like totally, um, trust my internal sense of whether or not my weight was the right weight and whether or not I was eating enough. Cause I do do a lot of like, just kind of, um, listening to internal hunger scales, which is important because otherwise I get too obsessive. Um, and so I've learned a whole bunch of new things and I just want to share them with you. Um, the first thing that I've learned is that like, I was anxious all the time. That's a sign of being like malnourished (laughs) and I was, um, my mood was kind of up and down. That's also a sign of being malnourished. I wasn't sleeping very well. That's also a sign of being malnourished. And by the way i moved back east because i was so sick i had to quit my job because my immune system was not fighting off every cold that came around and i was i was like calling out of work all the time too many times and i wasn't getting better at all and so and that's a sign of being malnourished right so what i'm learning is somebody somebody last night at the meeting I think it's a little tricky because I hear, I'm learning that even though OA has absolutely is my spiritual home and has absolutely given my life back, that most of the messages that I hear are about cutting out foods and slimming down and getting to a, a, like a better body size and all of those things. And, um, and there's this, um, phrase I heard last night and it was about like the wall of fat that keeps us out and what I'm, keeps other people out. And what I'm realizing is that for me, it's actually when I start to feel that people can see my wall of fat that I that I, people start getting let in, and it's really overwhelming because then I'm I, I don't that like that thing that keeps me feeling like safe and keeps me feeling separate is is being thinner and also the state of being underfed. And so, um, thank you. Oh, one, thank you. Um, so what I'm realizing is that because my objective, like, like assessment of my weight was actually incorrect and I'm getting like feedback about what, about like, no, like you actually need to be what feels like heavier. It's still within normal range. Like you actually need to be a little bit heavier in order to be healthy. Um, that that is like causing me to have all of these ideas that I had about perfectionism and about being like the best that I can be are actually like this weird, it's almost like feeling like what's actually supposed to feel like is like this weird, like kind of amoeba. (laughs) Like, um, uh, I'm thinking of like, I kind of feel like SpongeBob. I feel like this weird kind of like, like, funny looking, a little bit bigger. Like, I mean, like objectively, I don't, like I'm not big, right? Like objectively, anybody without an eating disorder would be like, you're a normal weight. But to me, I'm like, well, that extra five pounds makes me feel like, eh, 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 right. I'm still within normal range, but that's that extra. Fi- and it's like, actually that extra five pounds is making you be like human available for relationship. And, um, and like all of these other things like the anxieties come down the sleep is getting better like just like from like a little bit of extra weight and so um so what i'm realizing and and i'll just kind of wrap up with this is that my like i have this um the person who 12 stepped me is a support professional of mine who's also in in this program and She always says like, um, anorexics are addicted to control. And I was, I mean, literally like, fifteen years. I'm like, I do not understand what you mean. Like, I hear your words, I do not understand what you mean. And now I'm understand. Like, I'm understanding it now. Like, I'm addicted to wanting to control that feeling of being SpongeBob, and I would rather be, I don't know, what the little shrimp is like in that cartoon character. So, um, so. And it feels messy and I can't control the direction that my life goes if I'm not controlling how you see me or controlling like what's happening next in my day, right? in my mood, in my like emotional response to life. So um, it's totally different than all this other stuff I was gonna share with you, but that's what I've got time for. So thank you very much um, for listening. And, um, and I'll just say, if you're listening to this and you want to contact me, my email address is my name, Delyn D-E-L-Y-N, and then the letters O-A, which stand for Overeaters Anonymous, at gmail.com. Thank Thanks, you.
0: Dylan. Thanks, Delyn. Just <laughs> before, oh, um, Okay, hi, uh, I'm Robin, food Act and bulimic, Oh, I should have gone first. I got too nervous. <laughs> now I'm thinking about all this stuff. I didn't even really give it a thought. I always feel like what it was supposed to come out will come out so um <clears throat> well, um I am definitely bulimic. I never ever was able to restrict, so I don't have an experience in anorexia um my history with food is that I grew up in a family where um, we had no compulsive overeaters. It was very important to be um, thin, not too thin, um, but really to be overweight was about worse than stealing, worse than getting, you know, anything really, that's how it felt. Um, I didn't really start to gain weight. Um, even really I don't remember really thinking about food a lot till I probably got into say junior high school Um, and my my biggest issue was with my mother her thing was always to be thin and it was kind of this you know maybe I realize it later this kind of competition between you know that was the one thing she could do better so to speak Um, I have a I was the oldest I have a sister and a younger brother my brother was like uh, you know the god of the family and um he he and my father were not i don't know how they came out in the same family they don't have food issues at all they kind of eat normally you know they they skip meals i don't understand that concept um they forget about eating you know um and my sister and i kind of ended up with the food issues she kind of went the anorexic way for quite a while and she kind of does the controlled, you know, normal eating, so to speak, you know, she, and the one thing she can do that I can never could do and, well, I don't, wouldn't even try now is she'll just have a little of this and a little of that, you know, and that was kind of a mantra that I grew up with, you know, why do you need to have like f- three or four of those ice cream cones, you know? you know just have one or just eat a small dish and I really wanted to be able to do that and I could never do that and I'm also in another program for liquid sugar and um, and I got into that um, so anyway I guess just in brief I really started to gain weight mostly in high school and I um, I was involved in a lot of sports so I I never got got really huge I mean at my highest weight I was probably 50 pounds heavier than i am now which was um i achieved that by the time i got out of college my uh, maybe my first second year out of college um and it was kind of a question of my weight you know so starting kind of in high school i just started to gain weight you know the whole emotional thing of being in high school and all that and um It really, that's when it really started to be an issue. You know, I I used to be on a swim team, and we would get weighed at swimming practice, and then my coach would want to put me on a diet, and I was probably only 10, 10, 10, maybe 15 pounds overweight. And so it just became this issue, and it became this issue in my family. And my mother also had a drinking problem, and, you know, it was like the, the elephant in the living room sort of thing. We, you know, it was like I had the problem somehow you know, because I was gaining weight. And however that works out, you know, that's still my perspective. I still have some work to do on my mother, if you shouldn't guess. Um, but um, really what happened was I just, you know, my weight started to go up. And then I went away to college, and um, that's when I discovered um, purging. Um, it just kind of came about little by little. You know, I can't remember if I if I actually know the very first time that I did it you know but I can remember the when it really really got started my um my grandmother graciously gave me this gift of a diet program at one of those places where you go and that you go like three times a week and they weigh you and I was on you know it was like a 700 calorie a day diet and I was supposed to just stick to this diet, you know? And my mo- and I was, I think I was, it, it, maybe it was the summer before, I don't remember exactly, but I didn't, oh, I didn't have a car, I guess that's what it was. I'm sure I had a driver's license, obviously, I was in college, but I never had a car. This is a while ago, you know? And um, so my mother would drive me three times a week, I had to go to this place. They didn't do any counseling, any, they, I just had this diet, and they would weigh me. And then I'd come out to the car, and she would, you know, it'd be like, well, how much weight did you lose? How much weight did you lose? You know, so in, like, I was able to stick to it for about three weeks, (coughs) and I lost about 20 pounds, good grief, you know? And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't do it. And I had this job as a lifeguard at this place. And so we had free access to the snack bar. So I, I, you know, I just started eating all this stuff at work and then i i lo- that's the summer i really got into binging and, and purging and um and my family you know so i didn't gain weight from all this binging i was doing but um you know i wasn't losing any more weight and and it was as if my, you know, my family, my parents, once they started to confront me and how come you're not losing weight, you know, your grandmother's paying for you to go to this diet place and blah, 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 you know, and it was, it was really awful. It really was awful, you know, and uh, I, I, so, you know, without getting into all the, the stories of that, you know, so that was my, my, I think I was going into my senior year of college. And so my story was it would go you know, I'd go through a bad period of binging on, have a really bad <coughs> experience. I started doing it, you know, at school all the time. I do, I thought I had all these tricks, you know, I'd try to throw up outside, I'd run the shower and think nobody could hear me, you know, at, at, <coughs> the cafeteria was wonderful. There was all this food you could eat all the time. And I, you know, and then I'd go in the bathroom there and, and throw up. Um, you know, and that's kind of how I spent a lot of my senior year. Um, when I, by the time I got out of college, I was, you know, I was I was pretty overweight. Um, it probably took me another less than a year to get to my, my maximum weight. <coughs> uh, you know, and then... Um, I ended up I'm just trying to read it's hard to remember the sequence sometimes but um, so I ended up getting married to my first husband and during that relationship I did a lot of binging and perching and a lot of drinking. I hadn't found my way to AA yet um, we finally you know and I would he you know, I could get away with it, you know. We lived in this condo. I'd just go upstairs and go on a binge and throw up. And I, you know, he had, he never had a clue, which is probably gives you a hint why marriage didn't work out. So you know, split up with him, moved back. I, I'm from New Jersey, and this was I lived in New Jersey and moved back up to where my parents near where my parents lived. But I finally got my own apartment, and then I then I, that was that during that time that my drinking got really bad, and I ended up in AA and um so that kind of tempered my binging and purging for a while you know i was pretty well focused on that but my weight would go up and down it would be like this 10 15 pounds and i would get up to where like my clothes were starting to feel really tight and then they go back down and you know i it was interesting i i started read you know i've done a lot of different stuff with my sponsor and one thing we're doing now, i was reading this meditation book non-conference approved so i won't say what it is but I found this note I had written in there six months after I came into AA, which was in 1985, and I wrote, I really, I, I I need to use this program to figure out how to control my eating, you know, so that was kind of my method of dealing with my binging and purging for, you know, I ended up in AA for, I was in AA for 13 years before I finally was willing to come to OA, and um, up and down, up and down. my, my Eating would, you know, it, it was so much harder to stop binging and purging than it ever was to stop drinking, I'm telling you. You know, I still had to eat, and then I would go for a while, and it would be really good, and I would pray to God that, you know, I would get, I, the desire to binge and purge would be lifted, and sometimes it would, and then I, you know, I could go for, and I used to be able to tell you how over a period of several years, oh, I spent six months, and I didn't binge and purge, and then I started again, and then I, I could remember all these things, you know, and um, oh, and some of the places I don't even want to think about anymore, where I threw up and what I would do, you know, and times when I almost got caught, so to speak, or the, the most horrible times were when I couldn't purge and I had to keep the stuff down, it was... You know i mean it was just it was a really horrible way to live you know and um got married got married to my second husband who was also in the the other program and um i got on this thing i don't know where where you know where i was abstinent i didn't really understand abstinence as well as i do now like what was addictive and what wasn't i totally got that like You know, ice cream, cookies, things like that didn't work for me, but I didn't get the, I had no clue about the white flour thing, you know, and I, I had these certain things I would eat and I couldn't wait to eat them. And I mean, I did my whole, you know, I followed my quote food plan. And, um, I even went to OA. I went to OA like once a week. There was this one meeting got, you know, I don't know how I found it. You know, and I sat in the back. I read all these names in my book. I never called one of them, you know. And I stuck to this food plan of mine for, like, two years, you know. My weight came down, and I I just got, like, harder and harder. And then God worked in a really unbelievable way in my life. I got a a job at Nabisco, you know, in New Jersey. (laughs) 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 So that brought me to my knees i mean there's like food everywhere they have like all their stuff out there they have a company store and it was a big building so down in the basement there were like way at the end of this hall there was like two bathrooms you know so oh my god i i just can't even believe i didn't get fired from that job you know and um it was really, really awful, you know. So I'm throwing up at work. I'm leaving work to go get binge food. I'm steal. I'm stealing all this binge food. I mean, I was like such a mess. I really thought I like in the other program I was going to have to reset my sobriety date. And then finally, I really, you know, I didn't. I didn't go that to that. You know, I figured they were. They just what were they were, and that wasn't going to serve me. So. um No, I um, met my third husband, who I'm still married to, we're like 22 years now, so, and that's a part, and he's he's in recovery too, not in this program, but, um, and so I met him in New Jersey, he was from, he, you know, he had come there from Colorado for a job, and he absolutely hated New Jersey, and he grew up in New England, and he wanted to move up to New England, and my parents had retired up to New Hampshire, so we moved up to Portland, we ended up moving up to Portland, and, of you know, I got my immediate geographic mentality, you know, I even got a phone number, and I even, I actually called them, which is pretty much a miracle, this person, and she told me where the first meeting was, you know, and I didn't even make it a week, and I was already, like, throwing, I threw up, you know, I did a couple of binges, and, um... Like oh my god, you know I what do you know I brought myself with me, and um, <laughs> that was a week. But that was one that was the first week in my new life. And then um, the second week I went away to this training class. You know um, I was in I was in IT, and there was this new you know they had hired me at this job where I that. You know, move me up here to to Portland. You know, but I had to go for some training, which was was nice. I went down to this place in Massachusetts, and there were these people there from New Jersey. I didn't know them, but I, you know, they we connected that they were in my class. They had just come from New Jersey, and I, I mean, I had just come from. Anyway, they really wanted to go out to dinner with me. So the and I didn't want to go out to dinner. I wanted to go like buy bench food and be by myself. And I made some excuse. It was near. It was in December and it was around getting near Christmas and I said, oh, I need to do Christmas shopping." So I got away with it the first night. And then the second night they said to me, you know, come on, you got to go out to dinner with us. You know, we're all learning this new thing. You're from New Jersey. We're from New Jersey. And we're going to agree to meet at this time. And I had like two hours. I rushed to the store. You know, I bought all this binge stuff. And I just, uh, I I, I don't know if it's okay to really mention specific foods, but my mother used to have this thing about Entenmann's crumb cake. And they had this special anniversary edition of the crumb cake. And, you know, I did a lot of eating at my mother. And so that was like, and as it turned out, this was my last binge. And I think uh, I still find pride or some perverted, some distorted, you know, pleasure in the fact that one of my last, one of the foods on my last binge was the uh, super crumb. You know, it had extra big crumbs. Oh, it was off! I had a really awful binge and. You know, I so I went out, and then I had to go out to dinner with these people, and I ate more food, and I came home, and I tried to throw up again, and I couldn't, and it was just like, I don't know what made it any worse than any other binge I had ever... Oh, jeez, Oh thank you. Gone on, but you know what? I woke up the next morning. I'm still in this training class, you know, in Massachusetts, and it was just like this feeling came over me, like, I am done. You know? I'm just done. And it wasn't like a head thought. It was... You know, there was just something, and I just, and so, you know, I, I finished up the week at the training class, and the main thing that changed was I was willing to go to OA. It was like I had no more options, you know, and I just, so I started going to OA. I mean, I had gone to them one meeting the week before, but I, I just don't know there's not a way that I can explain it. I was willing to go to OA. You know, I knew, like, I couldn't work this out in my head. I couldn't work this out in AA, you know. So, um, really, what's happened, that was um, December 8th of 1988. I'm really amazed to say I haven't been converged since. So that will be 20 years in December, which is, un- it's, like, unbelievable to me, you know. And there's, it has, you know, I mean, of course it, I hear it all the time. It has not been easy, but even the worst experience has just not, it's not worth, the consequences just aren't worth going back to me. I mean, I just have had you know, there's time, and I wait. so what I do today is I weigh and measure my food. You know, maybe there's just something about the control factor of that, but I have never found it restrictive. i found it very safe. You know, that's how it feels to me. Um, you know, some things have changed in my food plan over the years, you know, and I'll get going on certain foods and then I kind of realize maybe I'm really a little too much in love with them, but I've always followed my basic my basic food plan. Um, you know, I retired, like, I retired three years ago. Now my life is about having surgery, it seems, but that's okay. I've been able to stay abstinent. Um, Really I've changed my relationship with exercise a bit um having had several surgeries but it's it 's really like okay you know i um I never used exercise in a bulimic way, but I have used it a lot as just my security sort of thing, you know, something I need to do just to keep myself in balance and i've you know i 've had to let go of some of that, and it 's like worked out okay, but it 's a little bit scary, you know, but um you know, and now you know I have I have I've it took me it took me nine years to get a sponsor. I'm not proud of that, but I have one, and I work with her on a regular basis, and she's been my sponsor for for you know like ten or eleven years now. And you know she's here at this convention, and um, you know we've done a lot of different step work. We've done that LA group step, you know the new thing they came out with, and we've done other step work and. I've just done a lot of stuff over the years. Um, you know, I feel like it's really I just wanna keep working on myself because I wanna feel better, you know. I'm an addict, I don't like to feel uncomfortable and you know, the probably the main thing that's happened to me that's really different is just like I like there's I I I'm not as afraid of people. I don't put up as many barriers I think. You know, I I kind of like that connection to a certain de- degree to people, you know. I, I just feel like being in meetings, I there's just something about the energy in there that's really been helpful to me, and I feel like that's kind of an area where I'm, you know, opening up more than I used to. Um, you know, so um, I guess I'm down to one minute, so thank you for listening. Okay, bye
1: Robin. Um, so the workshop is going to end at 1045. Um, we're now going to open the floor for three-minute pitches. Um, our timekeeper, want to raise your hand again? Our timekeeper is um, going to give you a signal when you have one minute left in your three-minute share. Um, and then I guess again at time if, if that's needed. Um, if you want to share, please come to the front of the room and form a line over here. Um, You have to sign this release form before you speak with your name and signature. Um, And uh, we don't have a microphone, but just try to stand near this recording device so that it can be recorded for the conference recordings. Um, Tell us where you're you're from and how long you've been in OA, and we'd like to remind OA members who are in the fellowship to speak only to your personal recovery in OA. Um, We also... um, Suggest that you stick to the topic of this meeting, um, which is anorexia and bulimia. The meeting is now open for sharing. Oh, all the way
2: up.
1: Are you going to share? Oh, yeah, all the way up here. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh. <laughs> Sign your name. Sign first? Yeah. Okay, let's
2: see. Print. Hi everyone i'm darlene and i'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic and anorexic and of course i didn't want to speak but i do want recovery so i am speaking and um, been in program i'm one of those retreads that, I, that come two and a half years and then out for a while and then another, th- another few years and then out again try some other program perhaps that program will work uh, geographical crew, go to Canada, go to anywhere. You know, I went to Canada for a period of time, but I want to just mention gratitude because I got three minutes because um, I know how to throw up in many different places <laughs> but shopping bags, dish, you know, the garbage disposal, while my children are playing. And if they knock on the bathroom door, I could stop and say, Oh, I'm doing my business, I'll be right out. So I have a lot of sicknesses in, in a I'm grateful that my, my kids are now 27 and 25 and, um, because I've been in and out since 1999, I'm in the last five years I've been in and, um, my last, the control issue, I can identify that. My last, um, binge and purge was really ridiculous. I picked up some peanuts and I had to get rid of them. So, but at other times it would be peanuts, blah 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 15 things and then get rid of it. And I had this this thing in my head that um I wanted it to be easy to throw up. So I would eat certain foods and do certain behaviors so that I could because in my head I was going to get rid of them. So I'm grateful that I'm not doing that any, now, any of those things right now. In uh December 31st, 2016 was the last time I I did that. So I'm very grateful to be um, abstinent. I like calling it sober with my food, sane eating behaviors. I have some sane eating behaviors now. And it's because I came back to program five years ago. It's because I got a sponsor. I've had two sponsors the last five years. And I'm just so grateful to be here with you guys. And I have to remember that I am a control freak, but I, I, I have to work on my spiritual um, connection with my higher power. And when I do that, things work out the way they're supposed to. I'm so grateful to be here. I wasn't going to be coming here. Um, it wasn't going to happen, and then all of a sudden it happened. So here I am, and I'm so grateful to be here with you all. Thank you.
0: Thanks,
3: yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rowan. I'm a food addict and an anorexic. Hi, Hi, Hi Rowan. Um, I'm so grateful to be here and to hear this conversation, specifically because... Um, when I hear about, you know, people in general in Overeaters Anonymous, um, I hear a lot about people getting to a certain, or it's about numbers, it's about getting thin, and I've been on, you know, I feel like a hybrid. I've been on both spectrums. I've been, you know, over, over 225 pounds, and I've been, you know, it doesn't really matter. I was extremely thin, and when I was thin, people thought I was normal, and I looked great. So part of part of this recovery for me is knowing that even if I'm in a completely normal body, I can be crazy as hell, um, and that people don't know uh, what's really going on with me. So a lot of I'm I've been in since 2003. I too am from a different program and came over to this one when it was completely clear that. I was going to relapse in the other one unless something happened here. Um, And the solution for me is always, you know, working the steps and finding a higher power. That can replace the insanity that goes between my ears because how much I weigh is none of my business. Um, The control piece I completely relate to. On one hand, I don't want any control, and on the other hand, I want all control. And I have a daughter who um, is in recovery from bulimia. And at one point, I, you know, and I really uh, love to hear what other people have already shared about the relationships between mothers, daughters, and weight. And she saw me struggling um, with with food addiction. And in response, part of it, it wasn't completely because of me. She ended up bulimic. But I thought she needs to do what I do. And that will fix. And um, what I know is that there is not one shoe that fits every person in Overeaters Anonymous. There's just not. And when um, my personal pet peeve is when people do share their numbers because I always end up saying, oh, I should weigh less or I should weigh more. Um, How much I weigh is none of my business. What's my business is to let go of the control of my body my life to a loving higher power and what that means for me is following the food plan that I that my sponsor and I have designed and I would not be here I would not be alive neither would be my daughter would be without this program
4: thanks hi my name is Lisa I'm anorexic hi
2: Lisa. only anorexic
4: AND uh, I LIVE IN SOMERS. I'VE BEEN IN THE PROGRAM THREE YEARS. I'VE BEEN ABSTINENT TWO AND A HALF YEARS. AND I'M REALLY GLAD TO BE HERE. I HATE SPEAKING IN PUBLIC. I JUST WANT TO SAY THAT FROM THE BEGINNING. LIKE, I HAVE NO IDEA WHAT I'M GOING TO SAY, BUT I FELT LIKE I HAD TO SAY SOMETHING. Um, I LOVE THE FACT THAT THERE'S ACTUALLY AN ANOREXIC, BULIMIC WORKSHOP HERE. I FEEL LIKE, I DON'T KNOW, LIKE, WHEN I FIRST WENT, CAME TO O.A., my therapist said, you should go to OA. She's like, I want to start meetings similar to that, and I want you to see what it's like. And I'm like, are you kidding? Why would I go to OA? Like, I, they, they're going to hate me there. I'm going to walk in. And I was really thin at that time. And I'm like, they're all going to hate me. Why would I do that? And she's like, I just want you to see what it's like and everything. And I walked in. And everyone was so welcoming. They were so friendly and warm. No, you know, it's great that you're here. We really welcome you and everything. And, like, I was really surprised. But then when they talked about the God word and then they talked about no flour and sugar, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't belong here. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I need the last thing I need to do is refrain from refrain from flour and sugar and you know, watch my weight and everything. So I stopped coming. Oh, and then there was also coins and I wanted a coin. And I was mm-hmm. like, there was no way I was gonna get a coin. So I was like, I'm not coming here. So I stopped going and then I went into treatment and I've been in and out of treatment for the past, I haven't been in treatment for three years, but at that time for like five years, I was in and out of residential treatment. I was in and out of the hospital. I was in a wheelchair. I was 30 pounds less than I am now. I look like death and I still didn't think I was thin enough. I was obsessed with the scale, I used to weigh myself like two, three times a day, like, and even now I still have issues with the scale, I still like worry about what I weigh and everything, but like I just want to say like the big thing about the anorexia I felt was like lack of control, I felt like I had no control in my life and that was the only thing I could control, that was the only thing that made me happy. And I was just, like, crying out. Like, I couldn't tell people that I was depressed. So I just felt like if I was thin, maybe people would look at me and, like, what's wrong? Like, how can we help you and stuff? So I used the anorexia as my voice, and now I don't need that anymore. The program has totally changed my life. I have people that understand me. i felt totally alone. And the spirituality, I'm still working on that. I still have a little trouble with God and everything. But now I like to think that everything happens for a reason. And I used to beat myself up that I did this to myself. Like, how could you do this? Like, you were a normal eater. At one time, though, I probably never was a normal eater. And I'm like, it happened for a reason. Like, you you were supposed to meet these people. You're supposed to help other people. And this is your life now.
5: So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
5: I'm Tracy, I'm a compulsive eater, Hi, Tracy. Um, and I'm just so glad that I, also that we have this meeting here and that I can be among other anorexics and bulimics in OA, um, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry I got here late. I went to the 100 Pounders meeting by mistake and I was too self-conscious to get up and go right away. <laughs> um, that was a good meeting too, but I'm glad I got every minute of this one that I did. Um, and uh, I I also one thing I got out of this meeting is is just being more aware of the fact that I tend to like feel a little apologetic or less than that um, even though the last variation of my disease before I came into program this time was compulsive overeating. So I did, want to and did lose weight when I came I tend to like feel apologetic that I didn't lose a lot of weight that it was only x number of pounds and I and I even like t- say that when I qualify I'm, I say well I only lost this much weight but it's important to me because of blah 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 um, and and sitting here I, I, it makes me realize that it, it doesn't need to be any number um, and and it doesn't need to be even be a a loss. It just needs to be my abstinence and my recovery and, and giving over control is the big thing. And, um, and a big aspect of my disease is the self-hatred and the bad things I say to myself when I look in the mirror. And, and that's one of the gifts of, um, being in this program and working with a sponsor and having a food plan um, for me is is that there, t- there became started to be a lot more silence instead of like looking in the mirror and going oh you're disgusting you're so fat like all these like horrible things I said to myself that I wasn't even aware I was saying because they were just so routine. Um, I I would just after a while in here I started to look in the mirror and go oh okay okay that's okay and uh and lately I've I've been um I've had some of those thoughts come back and it's just good to be among you and kind of acknowledge that for myself that you know that's kind of bubbling up and to think about like where I might go for help with that um because it's it's nice to have that self self self-hatred go down a little bit and and it's partly by accepting the, the love that's in these rooms that I'm able to have a little self love for myself. Thanks.
6: Okay, thank yeah. you. Um, I'm Erin anorexic and bulimic. Hi, Erin. And I just wanted to just say see that oh oh that it's just it's good to see longevity with um you know abstinence from these. Because uh, I've been going to twelve step meetings since I was fifteen, and um, I, t- I took my dad to AA because he was going to get booted out of the house unless he did, and I wanted to make sure he he did. Because my mom was a compulsive eater, and she was she was a terror. I, um, and so, um, uh, so I've had periods of long lengths of abstinence, and then um, and then uh, relapse. And so, but I have the meetings that I do go to. Um, don't see a lot of people like me, mm-hmm. and so um, it's difficult because a lot of it's hard to, a lot of times people say I can't sponsor you because I don't identify, and um, and even sharing people don't identify, um, and I actually I, I see very few, very very few people um, with this uh, with this issue in this program. Even the name overeaters Anonymous um, makes it a little bit challenging. But the spirituality is there, and I go to AA, too, and I can, you know, I can transfer, and I can identify with a person that's uh, 500 pounds, because I do a lot of the same, I have the same feelings and the same, um, some of the same um, behaviors. Uh, So um, it is good to be here, and it's good to be, like, among a bunch of people. It's the first time I've ever been in a room with a bunch of people that have, you know, restricting uh, bulimia and anorexia, because I, um... I've had—I um, mean, a lifetime started when I was age 13, and I spent so many times in hospitals on feeding tubes. Um, my kidneys were shutting down in certain periods, and they'd say, "Call all the, all the people that you know." And I just thought, "I'm not calling anybody." You know, it, it, um, living this life, I'd rather be—you know. Um, uh, Six feet under, it's so it becomes so terrible. And other people would say to me, "I would do anything to to be anorexic for a day." I say, "Oh, if I hear that one more time, or, or um, you know, my boss, she Erin, can I take you for a hamburger? I just want to see you eat it.' They have no idea. No one, no one, no one has any idea what it's like to on the inside. It's not. It's it's not fun. It's, it really isn't. So, anyway, I want to thank you every, for
1: sharing because I, could, I, I really identified and enjoyed hearing you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, so that is the end of our meeting. Um, thank you, everyone, for coming. And we will now close the meeting with a serenity prayer. And I think we can actually hold hands because there's. Yeah. Thank you for. In <laughs> the weavers. God, God. grant us the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.